Welcome, movers and shakers. I am your host and realtor, Janitha N. Moore. Today, joining us is real estate investor Harry Manning. Welcome, Harry. Hello. Tell us about yourself and how you got into real estate investing. Um, I've been in real estate investing about 20 years. Um, back in the year of 2000, I moved to Atlanta. And um, I think by mistake, back in Washington, D.C., I uh, gathered uh, interest in real estate just based on buying my primary home and increasing in value uh, so rapidly and so fast. I just happened to have the right home in a area that exploded. So I gathered interest and came to Atlanta and Atlanta happened to be um, DC all over again uh, in the 2000s. So um, a lot of wealthy people are generated from real estate. So I started getting into real estate investing. How long did it take you to determine your strategy? Were you most interested in building wealth or just getting cash quickly? Um, me personally, I've always taken the uh, the long-term approach to real estate, meaning that there there's annual salary that I would like to obtain, but there's also positioning that I would like to always put in place annually as well. Um, so I'm not as concerned about how much I make every single year. I'm more concerned about how much I'm going to make residually uh, when I get to a space where I don't want to really work anymore. Mm -hmm. And so briefly, because this will probably require more time than we have today, can you briefly explain the different approaches, one being the quick crash approach to building wealth approach or otherwise known as wholesale, flipping, tenants, and lease options? Well, you know, to really be in real estate and to sustain uh, financial uh, freedom and financial gain, you have to have four to five strategies. You know, we have people in real estate today that call themselves wholesalers um, that won't survive when the market transitions. So you have to have four to five different strategies and you have to change your strategy based on market. You also have to change your acquisition strategy based on the climate. So there are strategies you can use in Atlanta for investing and you can't use them in, say, a Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so rental return in the Midwest is going to be a lot better. But the, 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 the profit margin is going to be much, much better in a market like Atlanta. So, you know, strategies have to change. Me, personally, I, I'm not one of anything. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate person. So I have to move with the times and, 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 and change strategy with the times. And So I wouldn't call myself a quote-unquote flipper wholesaler and all these other different things. I'm a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. And so how does real estate investing work? Can you flip a house with no money? Um, you know, the the not no, the new person is going to have a hard time flipping a house with no money. That's that's the bottom line truth. Um, 
but someone who's experienced, yes. Because, you know, when you're experienced, you have um, financial, you know, you have financial relationships that you can access that, you know, based on your experience, you can almost get financed and, and, and things of that nature for acquisition and um, rehab. So it's possible, but someone who's new walking into real estate thinking that they're going to get acquisition costs, uh, rehab costs, no money down, it's it's almost impossible. And that's just the truth. I mean, you know, people say that, but the real truth is, you know, it's going to be very, very hard if you're not experienced to do that. So some of the benefits to investing equals cash flow and financial freedom. Can you name a couple other ones that I didn't just mention? I mean, we have to just ask ourselves, what's the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal to make money right now? Or the ultimate goal is to have generational wealth? Or the ultimate goal is to have a residual income? Or the ultimate goal is to make a million dollars. Like, you just have to have your strategies and your goals in place. My personal goal is general generational wealth. You know, um, the same thing that you're speaking about, I want to be able to have the ability to uh, sit down with my children and my grandchildren and maybe finance opportunity for them if they you know if they had something uh, in mind or teach them you know economics 101 through real estate so you know I think ultimately you just have to find out what your goal is but you know I you know I guess this sounds crazy but I take the marathon approach to real estate Um, I'm not as concerned about what I can do right now um, as much as I'm concerned about my grandchildren being able to go to college and my great-grandchildren being able to live off of the things that I've put in place today. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're not just taking on any deal. You, you, you're trying to find a deal that makes sense over time, most times, or it just depends? Well, you, know, you can probably catch me. Um, the average person would say I don't pay a lot for my deals like the average person who's out here selling stuff if I was to buy from them my offers would be based on what I believe my offers is never based on what you say mm-hmm. it's never based on anything that you throw there's no need to sell to me because I don't I'm not listening to it anyway mm-hmm. you don't need to sell me a property I'm gonna I'm gonna do my numbers based on me based on area you know if it's rental I need to know that you know a lot of people don't consider public transportation that's important to me if I'm buying rentals people don't consider um, section 8 vouchers how many vouchers is in East Point versus Atlanta there's going to be four three to four times more in Atlanta so the market is going if, if you're speaking about rental property so you know there's different things that I, I consider uh, when I'm purchasing and there is an annual income and then there is a residual income both of those strategies are put in place all year so I might buy something just based on the fact that residually it's going to take care of me later or I might buy something based on the fact that I'm going to sell this when it's finished or I might buy something based on the fact that it's in an area that's going to blow up 
and I want to be in that area when it happens. So right now it's just rental property, but I know what's going on later. So when you're analyzing a deal, what what's important may vary because I know sometimes people want to focus on repair costs, selling costs, how long it'll take, the carrying costs, the after repair value and things like that. So is there ever a time that something is consistently the important thing outside of your return on your investment? You know, those are the people who buy houses you have to always acquisition is important repair costs is important holding costs is important and agent fees are important and when people don't put all four of those aspects into the deal you're not doing it correctly you're not you're not analyzing the deal properly because if you're getting financed and you're not considering what your money cost then it's going to bite you later on. It's something as little as right now buying a house going into November and the winter's coming. So if you finish a house in November, December, January, if you're not experienced, you won't assume that as soon as I finish it, it's going to sell. Well, the market's not bustling as much in December and January as it is in June, July, and August. So without experience, you wouldn't really understand that. But me, I understand that, you know, I might sit on market a little bit longer if I'm doing a deal and I'm finishing in the wintertime. So there's a lot of different things that that you have to consider. But the main things, if you're actually doing uh, acquisition to, to sell for a profit is acquisition costs. Is you can fix everything else with acquisition costs, though. So if you get it low enough, those other things really won't be a major factor. So your acquisition cost is the most important thing, and then repairs, and then your holding costs, and then your agent fees. A lot of people do deals and they don't realize you, know, you have to pay an agent to list this. That that's very important. That good that's a part of your cost, and your profit margin is going to be lower and lower and lower and lower based on all those numbers. So acquisition, if you buy it at the right price, all those other things will fall into place. So for, for, for the audience, can you give us a, an example? Run the numbers down. You bought it at this. You have to consider this number, this number, this number, number okay. line let's, by line. Let's do a basic, a basic, you know, these days in Atlanta, 200,000 is a magic number. So if you buy a house and you're going to uh, buy it and finish it at $200,000. Meaning that that house, you want to, you want that home to uh, sell in the high mid twos. It needed some repairs. Right. Well, your acquisition costs traditionally, you know, and, and excuse me, because my numbers are going to probably be lower than, than, you know, some, some. Okay. But experienced people, their number, their acquisition number are going to be lower because they realize, you know, all the risk is yours. Okay. You know, and then a wholesaler is going to say, all you got to do is this. All you got, yeah, well, all you got to do is get your check and walk away, though. So the risk is not yours. You have to understand that when we open this house up, everything that happens or does not happen is my responsibility. Okay. So if I don't leave room for error, Mm -hmm. then my profit margin could be 
actually gone. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So let's just use a basic $200,000 rule. So if we're buying a house and we want to finish, meaning finish all our work at $200,000, we're going to buy it for $125,000. let us just say $125,000. That's probably a, a, a decent number. You know, and it's something that will appraise in the high mid twos. So, at two hundred thousand, that means we're we're borrowing two hundred thousand dollars. You know, traditional numbers are going to be three percent. So, two hundred thousand dollars plus three points. That that's going to get us at two oh six. Correct. We're going to hold that property for four to five months, repairing it, putting it on the market, and selling. Let's say four to five months. So let's say we have $10,000 in holding costs, correct? Okay. $2,000 each month for five months. That's going to cost us $10,000. Okay. So we got $10,000 plus $6,000. We're at $16,000, correct? Expense. That's our holding costs, okay. $16,000. For that same house, we're going to have a real estate agent, and we want our real estate agent to list that house. We have to pay fees. Let's just do a round number of uh, what, 250. Okay. So if we have a real estate agent and 250 is the selling cost, we're going to pay 6%, which is going to be uh, what's 6% of, of 200, uh, 250 thousand dollars. That's going to be 12, uh, 15 thousand. Is that correct? Sound about approximately. Okay. All right. So we got $16,000 in holding costs. We got $15,000 in fees, right? Mm-hmm. So we got $230,000, right? Mm-hmm. Those are things that everybody's not considering. Because remember, we bought it at one twenty-five. They yeah. gave us seventy-five thousand to fix it. Mm-hmm. We finished at two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And then we have to worry about our fees. Our fees are thirty thousand dollars, give or take. Mm-hmm. So we're at two thirty now. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're trying to sell in the mid-high twos. Yeah. So that's a good general rule to consider. But a lot of people are looking at. They just look at acquisition. They look at repairs. But if you don't take that holding cost. That money costs, and you don't take that real estate agent fees and make sure you could assume that $30,000 was yours. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. So you have to. Mm-hmm. Because you might think, I'm about, I'm going to make 50, I'm going to make 65,000. No. Mm-hmm. That's that $30,000, you have to you have to put that into your equation. But that has to go into the equation when you're purchasing. Mm-hmm. It's too many people that don't put those numbers into the equation when they're purchasing. And that's a lot of time a homeowner will say, well, you know, if you buy it at 125 and they selling at 265, you're killing me. No, no, because for my house to look like that house across the street, I have to spend seventy five thousand dollars and I have fees associated with it. So that's how that's how it kind of works. That's how it become a true comparable. Right. Sure. By bringing it to the standard of the house in the neighborhood or in the area. You have to. You can assume you could go slap some paint around and you can assume that you're going to get that amount when the quality of work is not consistent with that product Mm -hmm. and your house will sit there and then that holding cost will become 5, 10, 50, you know it'll go up and up and up and every single month you're paying $2,000 on that holding cost Mm -hmm. because the product's not moving Mm -hmm. so 
you know, if you are trying to cut corners and your product is not consistent, yeah, you're going to have those problems. So you not only know your numbers, but you know also know your competition. You know, I don't want to, you know, but I've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And I've done new builds, fix and flip, wholesale, notes, taxes, assignments, of course. Mm-hmm. But I've done... I've done it all, you know. Okay. So that's why I say I'm not just, I'm a real estate investor. Yeah. Everything has to make number sense. Mm-hmm. It's not a, I don't buy anything based on anything else but numbers. Mm-hmm. So let's be real transparent and honest, uh, as you always are. But a lot of investors feel like they don't need a realtor. We've done a deal, a couple deals, um, together right um but a lot of times um because you have so much experience and you've done so many different deals uh and a lot of times things can be done off market um a lot of investors don't need a realtor but i think you had a huge advantage using a realtor just from the marketing standpoint just from the um by entering your property into the uh multiple listing service it 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 threw a a larger net out tell me how you feel about using a realtor I, i i think we worked we did well together and it was a benefit um from working together but yeah i think i think you know I think using a realtor is a good thing um, because I think, you know, once again, you are right. You know, you have an opportunity to uh, to put your product in front of uh, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people and not even not just investors. You have an opportunity to put your product in front of new investors. You have an opportunity to put your product in front of investment groups. You have the opportunity to put your product in front of novice, I mean, experienced people. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it's a good thing. It's not as traditional as a lot of real estate agents, because um, like a lot of real estate agents, they're not really used to dealing with a product that's not pristine, you know, but some products are going to sell as is and I guess, quote unquote, a little ugly. Um, need, needs work but you know as an investor I want to sell it like that sometimes meaning it needs work or it's ugly because my acquisition was was where I wanted it to be and I can move it in this current state so um, I think it's a good thing you know I don't I don't necessarily uh, I don't necessarily uh, knock anybody for their you know their tactics or anything but I think um, we've had good experience and uh we've done uh well together so you know everybody has their strategies everybody has their tactics um the amount of money i think that uh you will gain uh dealing with a real estate agent um the fees they'll cover themselves you'll get you'll probably get a little bit more so it'll cover the fees that you think you won't get So you talk a lot about um, generational wealth and um, building wealth and um, real estate. You've been pretty successful personally in your transactions with real estate. Are Are you concerned that we are not... Uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that's before us? Um, or do you feel we're educated enough with 
um, real estate investing? How, how can somebody um, change their life with real estate investing? Uh, is it is it is it real opportunity or is it more hard work than 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 money? You know, um, so I don't teach any classes. I don't do um, forums. It's probably just me being kind of consistent with who I am, but I do uh, try and share my experience, um, you know, when asked. Mm-hmm. You know, like when, I, when I'm asked, I try to share my experience. But um, the, the single most important thing that you could possibly do is just own your own home. I mean... It's hard for me to consider somebody a real estate investor or just someone who speaks about obtaining wealth or speaks about having some generational wealth or just when you don't want to purchase your primary home. I mean, that's the easiest way to gain some financial leverage. Now, not the wrong home in the wrong area. Don't get me wrong following suit on just what's big and pretty versus the the, the, the right product. Um, so even when I purchased my, my primary home, um, you know, it was more about return going in. So I'm not as concerned. Like, yeah, I want everybody to be happy, but we're going to be happy with their reason because if it's a product that I'm going to buy that I'm not going to make a bunch of money off of or at least have a bunch of equity that I have some financial leverage to move around with five to ten years later, it's not for me. You know, I don't buy houses for closets, especially a primary home. You you don't want to do that. You know, you want to think about, um, you think we want to think about selling it as you're buying it to me. I definitely agree with you. Um, So, you know, the the most important thing that I would say, you know, when I'm speaking to people and and I speak to a a lot of different people in the community because I do, uh, I coach and uh, I deal with young men a lot. Uh, That's kind of one of my my things is uh, just to spend time and be around young men and just try to influence them. But but economics 101 is very important to me, too. So. I ride around with them and, and just speak to them and talk and allow them to speak and just try to drop jewels on them and make them understand, you know, uh, one thing that was very powerful that Tyler Perry said recently is own your stuff, you know, so the importance of owning your own primary home, I think, is like step one to wealth. And you say that a good strategy is to always start with the question, will this sell and will this give me a return on my investment when it comes time to sell that investment? Yes, as well as equity. I mean, you may not ever sell, but don't you want to have a home where you have two, $300,000 worth of leverage sitting in that home at all times? So say your baby want to go to college. Yeah. Say your baby wants to start a business mm-hmm. or your grandchildren. You're like, you know, or, or it's time for someone to get married. You know, your child to get married or, you know, those types of things. Is We're, we're running a race and, you know, some people are starting on the 50 and some people starting in the starting blocks. We're running a 100-yard dash. I mean, it's hard to win when you're in the, in the starting blocks and somebody's starting at the 50. 
but they're starting at the 50 because somebody made some financial decisions that was able to put them in that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then some other people didn't. And generationally, we're starting over in the blocks, over in the blocks, over in the blocks, over in the blocks. And, you know, I just want to try and make sure that I'm doing my part. Equity is leverage. Equity is leverage. Equity is definitely leverage, Mm -hmm. without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Something as small as a line of credit Mm -hmm. with the equity of your home is definitely leverage. And the best investment is to always start with your own investment. Meaning your 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 home. Well, for the novice, of course. For someone who's not into real estate, of course, the 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 best, easiest, and fast start is to start with your own home. Mm-hmm. Credit, of course, is very important as well. Yeah, and then they can get to investing in different um, products like yourself. <clears throat> right, right. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't want to be a real estate investor, it's important to own your home. Yeah. I mean, even if you want to stay at your job for the rest of your life, it's important for you to own your own home, period, in the right area, of course. Well, I thank you for your time. Is there anything else you would like the uh, audience to know about in terms of investing um, and real estate? No, no. uh, I would just say um, nothing happens overnight. And the microwave approach does not work. And, you know, understand the business. Understand it takes time. Understand that, you know, the long-term approach is uh, ultimately what's going to gain true wealth. You're going to make some money with some of the other approaches, but the long-term approach is, is just true wealth. And true wealth cannot be taken away from you. Thank you, Harry Manny. I appreciate your time. Thank you.